Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show. Hey, I have to start by congratulating the Green Bay Packers. See, I'm being a good, fair fan since I am from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but at least I can say Mike McCarthy, the coach of the Packers, is also from Pittsburgh. So we are sad, all of us Steeler fans, but it was a great Super Bowl. And talking about great, where do you hear the show today? As far as I am concerned, this woman is known everywhere. I'm not kidding you. She is known internationally. She's dynamic. She's a great speaker. She is the expert on accommodation services. Truly, she's a fireball. She is. She really is known throughout Capitol Hill and D.C. and everywhere. She's a tremendous leader. Actually, I can't think of anyone who doesn't know Dinah Cohen. So welcome to the show, Dinah. Well, thank you, Joyce. I'm I'm thrilled to be on the show with you and all the people that are listening in today. It's a real pleasure and honor. Well, it's an honor to have you, Dinah. And just so we can get it rolling, I know we have some listeners on the show that will be interested in knowing uh, about your background. I see, even from your academic work, which includes a master's degree, that you do have a background in rehabilitative counseling. So for all of our listeners, let's hear what first attracted you to work in the area of disability. Well, it's both a little bit personal, a little bit professional. I happen to be a person with a disability. My sister has a disability. And as we were growing up, before there were a lot of laws to protect people with disabling conditions and disabilities, I noticed there was a lot of things that just weren't quite right. And so as I grew up and went to school and I went to a mainstream school, my sister was not able to, and then went on to college and saw the challenges I had in college that was before any rehab act, and this is one of those kind of amusing little stories. I changed my major seven times until I found a major on the first floor of the building because I have a lot of difficulty climbing steps. And I figured that's really not the way one should have to pick their careers and pick their academic choices is because of physical ability and disability. We should be able to pick whatever programs we want. But it was before any law, so there wasn't anything that per se made me or allowed me to take what I wanted where I wanted to take it, so I changed my major seven times. Past college, I said, you know what, it's time to start to make a little bit of a difference. So I was a rehab uh, client when I was in college, and then I decided to become a rehab counselor and got my advanced degree in the field. It was important to me to start to make a difference as I looked around and saw so many of my friends coming back from Vietnam with injuries, so many of the people I respected that wasn't having quite, I felt, an equal shake. So I decided to go ahead and pursue an academic career in the field and then work in the field post-graduation. Well, thank goodness you did that for all of us, Dinah. Um, And, you know, when you mentioned about the soldiers coming back from Vietnam, I cannot imagine what it was like then in reference to accessibility or accommodations. I mean, it must have been very difficult for those soldiers, those veterans. It was. It's very, I'm very happy that it's so different for the young men and women coming back from today's global war and terror and the conflicts. 
than it was during the Vietnam era. I'm really pleased that we, we have changed our attitudes. We're doing a much better job of welcoming them home, making accommodations, making this uh, whole accessibility issue much easier for all. Of course, since then, there's been the passage of the Americans with Disabilities Act. There's been a lot of laws. There's been the Rehab Act. There's been Section 508 passage. There's been a lot of legislation that has made it much, much easier for people with disabilities to get some of the access that wasn't around in the earlier years as I was growing up. Obviously, I'm a little bit old and uh, came from a different era, but I'm just glad that things have changed, and I do believe they will continue to improve and change in the future. Well, um, let's hear about CAP. How did CAP come into being? And well, tell everyone what it stands for and what the main mission is. Will do. Uh, first and foremost, CAP stands for the Computer Electronic Accommodations Program, and it's been known as CAP. It was really the idea of Judy Gilliam. She has passed away, but she was a disability program manager for the Department of Defense for many, many, many years. It was really on the eve of the passage of the, Re of the Rehabilitation Act, Section 508. When that legislation came through, and it was passed in 1986 and implemented in 1988, she was extremely concerned of its impact on the employment of people with disabilities and disabled veterans in the Department of Defense because it was pushing for this new information infrastructure. It was asking for technology to be more usable by people with disabilities. And DOD has always been a leader when it came to technology. Well, with this new passage, she was concerned that people might not buy the peripheral equipment that would allow a person with a disabling condition to have equal access to the information environment. So she established the concept of CAP and then went forward and hired the staff, and I was the first director and still the director of the program. I'm very proud of that. Uh, but it really had a very clear mission. Its mission was and continues to be to provide, e uh, provide assistive technology and accommodations to ensure that people with disabilities and my newest customers, my wounded service members, have equal access to the information environment and opportunities in Department of Defense. And since then, we've expanded to be also throughout the federal government. So we want to really level the playing field for people with disabilities. We want to make sure that the assistive technology or accommodations they may need to be part of today's information environment is not a barrier for a manager. We wanted to make sure they have the tools. We wanted to have a centrally funded program so the cost is not an issue. We wanted to have a centrally funded program that had a certain level of expertise so it would not be an issue for a manager on the field. So they could call one number, one program office, find out what they needed, and then get the technology that they needed. And that was her idea, and I'm very proud to continue to move her mission and vision forward so many years later. And you're located in the Pentagon? My, I have a wonderful, and I invite those people out in Radio Land to come visit me. We have the CAP Technology Evaluation Center, better known as CAPTEC, and my technology center is located in the Pentagon. I physically have another site where I do a lot of my day-to-day -day work, but the place where people can see the latest technology is located in the Pentagon. And I'm so proud of where it's located. It's right across the area from the Hall of Heroes. We are right on the main concourse. It is easy to find us. It's easy for our customers to come see us. And we constantly are having visitors come from, the, from federal agencies, from private sector, from the senior leadership of the administration, to, so they can see the latest of assistive technology and how easy it is to accommodate an individual with a disability. Um. What would you say is the size of the staff? <laughs> well, people might find this amusing. Our staff with the government and contracts is about 30 people uh, big, and we do this for all of the federal government, all of DOD, wounded service members worldwide. So we're not super big, 
but we're super good. <laughs> I like Let you. me just I say my staff is incredible. Listeners. I think they work she hard. They is. believe in the they mission. They are so good. I mean, they are on it. This group is on it. They don't make mistakes. Dinah has them moving like you can't believe, and they do a phenomenal job. So before we go to break, I have live questions. You can tweet me on Twitter or talk to me on Facebook at any time you want. Uh, we're really open and excited to hear from you. Uh, first question is, Dinah, how many people would you say you service um, every month throughout the federal government? It's a really interesting. Uh, we, last year, in FY10, we filled over 12,000 requests for accommodations. 12,000? Over 12,000 wow. requests. Now, they're not 12,000 individuals, but they're 12,000 requests. Some people need multiple accommodations, but we filled 12,000 requests, and this year we've already filled over uh, 5,000. So, again, it's, it's a growing program, and getting the right technology to that user is really what we spend our time and energy doing. We want to make sure we get the right solutions, and that's kind of our tagline, Real, real solutions for real needs, and we are always trying to find that real solution to make that employee truly competitive in today's IT environment. That is phenomenal. And listen, you can go to Joyce Bender and send me a tweet so I can read your question on the air, or you can go to Facebook and send me a message I want to tell you I am so proud of this listening audience, and you know what it's all about. It's about changing the way people think about people with disabilities. That means thinking of us as people, focusing on our ability and our talent only, and that's what we're doing including in the federal government with Dinah Cohen and the CAPS program. We will be right back after break. You are listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters with voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back with the director of the U.S. Department of Defense, Computer Electronic Accommodations Program, Ms. Dinah Cohen. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. There's a course offered on 7th Wave Network that you never saw offered in college. One that provides information on how to transform ancient wisdom teachings into everyday life. You'll learn how to create from your spirit and explore the world with all of your senses. Participation is encouraged. Enroll in Spirituality 101, the course you can't afford to miss with your host, Reverend Norma. Class is in session every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time in your favorite classroom, 7th Wave Network. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday afternoon at 2 Pacific, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 
472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. If you just joined us, we are talking to the director of the U.S. Department of Defense, the Computer Electronic Accommodations Program known as CAP, and that is with Miss Dinah Cohen, who we are so excited to have on the air with us today. So now, Dinah, this CAP program, it is available to all the federal agencies? Correct. Okay. And do they all use it? No, not all of them. Let me, uh, we have the authorization to provide accommodations to any agency that signs an agreement, a partnership agreement with us. That's how well, it works. You know why I'm asking you this question? Is in the private sector, if you had access to, oh, yeah, you have a department that's going to provide free accommodations. I mean, do you know what would happen? Everyone in the world would be on this, you know, when they're hiring people. So tell me, why isn't everyone on it with you? Well, we have, of course, we service all of DOD and all the different armed services, the Army, Navy, Air Force, and all the components. And we have partnerships with 68 other agencies. There's some agencies we don't have partnership with, and that's fine because I think they're doing a fine job internally. Some programs have had a CAP-like model for as long as I've been around and has worked well for them, so there was really no need for them to move on to this. They're still trying, they're still doing the same thing. They're providing accommodations to their employees, but they've had a model that has worked for them for many years. And to be perfectly honest, it wasn't my goal to do it for all federal agencies. It was my goal to do it for the agencies that were having challenges providing accommodations. So there are some agencies that have had very strong internal programs who've done a very good job, and I'm like, Keep going. Keep doing your thing. So I really spend most of my energy when I set up, when the program was expanded by legislation to give me the authority to, uh, to provide accommodations to other federal agencies, was really focusing on the small agencies that would not probably make economical sense to have a technology center or have a centrally funded program, or it was difficult for them to kind of get their arms around the requirements. That was really my focus, was not to, you know, reinvent the wheel. There are agencies who have always had a large population of people with disabilities. They have always done it well. So my focus was really trying to support the agencies who did not have an inter- a really uh, integrated program. So I work closely in anyone, any agency, including some private sector people, can come visit CapTech, learn about assistive technology, look at what we do, see what's the latest. We just don't buy it for them unless they have an agreement with CAP. And like everybody, there's, you know, budget issues. And they figure, you know, some agency goes, I want to take care of my people. So we've, So many agencies have had their own internal program for many years. Wow. Well, let me ask you this question. What do you do to market this? Like, how do people find out about you? Well, when we first did it for DOD, I spent a lot of time going to all of the different armed services, and then once we expanded the program to start to provide accommodations to other federal agencies, I did what I felt was the first thing that was needed, and that is to work with a small agency council and work with those smaller agencies that, again, it just didn't make a lot of sense for them to set up their own technology center, to do it kind of centrally funded, to have that level of expertise in-house. So that was our first wave of federal agencies was working directly with a small agency council. Then we started working with the cabinet-level agencies, and the the first cabinet-level to sign that interagency agreement or partnership with CAP was Department of Justice. And then, you know, as people start to hear about our successes and how much faster we were able to get accommodation to them, we were highlighted in various organization magazines and things that focus on disability. People said, well, how can I take advantage of it? What do I need to do to sign a partnership agreement? Each time we try to set up a partnership agreement, I made sure I met with their agency senior leadership to provide them with information on the expectations 
of what CAP can and cannot do. We are the Computer Electronic Accommodations Program, so there's a lot of things that we don't provide. Not that they're not reasonable accommodations, because they are, but our program was set up to cover the kind of expensive assistive technology, the peripherals that connect to the telecom environment, to the information environment, to the computer. Outside of that was things that were not really in our original purview, so we want to make sure that agencies understood what they could get from CAP and what would be outside of our scope. So we made sure that was well understood before we move forward to an agreement, and then we would, every year, we would provide all of our stakeholders a stakeholder's report of all the accommodations we have filled for their employees, for their agency. We're a little bit anal here in DOD. We like people to know exactly how their money is being spent and what it was being spent on and who they've accommodated. So we provide that stakeholders report each and every year to all of our customers, to all of our stakeholders. Okay, so here's another tweet, and it is, uh, Ms. Cohen, it is wonderful what you are doing. A question I have is, do you ever go to the private sector and talk to them about accommodations? Well, thank you for that question. I'll be happy to speak to private sector, especially if they're located in Hawaii, but in all seriousness, um, yes, we've had done a lot of training to private sector only because we believe we have a very good business model. We believe that the success of CAP has been based on good business processes, how we can save money by having a certain level of centralized funding, expertise, IT understanding, making sure that the accommodations we provide works in a person's IT environment, information technology environment. So we have done many presentations to the private sector, and many people in the private sector have come visit CapTech so they can see the technology when they are starting to have challenges as they look forward to making a difference to employing people with disabilities and our returning warriors and veterans. So we've always been very open to going to them to speak or having them visit us and presenting them with a CAP model. Well, you know what? That's good to know. That's good to know. So then I guess you would be willing to speak uh, at an event or a conference uh, if someone from the private sector wanted you to talk about this CAP program. I would be giving them the information on how we have been successful in using this in the Department of Defense and other federal agencies and the steps for success, how to set up a business model that works. Because one people always tend to think about the person with a disability, which is great, but we have to always think about those who are not disabled today but may be disabled tomorrow. And I think that's where the business model really comes into play. It is not just about bringing people with disabilities onto the workforce. It's retaining that individual who has just been diagnosed with cancer or had that car accident or had a major uh, operation or needed some now an accommodation. If we're smart smart managers, whether in private business or in public sector, We need to understand how to accommodate our most important resource, and that is our people. So whether they get injured on the job, whether they become disabled, whether we do a very good job recruiting people with disabilities into the workforce, the disability management model and accommodating them throughout the employment life cycle is good business practice. And I think that's really a strong message for anyone in senior leadership to understand. Yeah, I do, too. I think it's good to think of it that way. I, I really do. I think that is very, very important uh, to see the business value of all of this. And, Dinah, I know a lot of people don't really understand, the, you know, what exactly you have as accommodations. Sometimes people think of accommodations, they just think of assistive technology or sometimes, you know, for someone who is blind or sometimes they think of it and they just think of a person who uses a wheelchair. Um, Could you give us some examples of what you do and the types of accommodations you provide? Be happy to. So the general scope of CAP is really, again, to provide the technology and the tools that connect to a computer environment and to a telecom environment. So people with dexterity disabilities, 
whether it's a person who's developed very severe carpal tunnel or whether it's one of our wounded warriors that come back and no longer has any hands, we'll provide that kind of technology, whether it's a different type of keyboard or pointing device or at the high end voice recognition technology that allows them to talk to their computer and everything they say will allow them to will show up on their computer screen, will interact with their computer application. So that's one example. When we talk about people who have vision impairments, and I know a lot of us are developing vision impairments. I mean, I know that I find the print in the phone book getting a lot smaller over the years, you know, <laughs> so a lot of us have this issue. But a lot of us will start to have some vision challenges. For some of us, we may need magnification, whether it's to magnify hard copy or magnify the information on the computer screen. So we have hardware solutions and software solutions. For many individuals who are born blind, they may need to have everything come to them via speech output. So they're going to listen to everything that's on their computer screen. Many blind individuals are like Braille, and they would want their Braille terminal so they can actually read everything that's on the computer screen by the pins or refreshable Braille terminal. Those are some of the solutions for blind individuals. People who are, going to, who are deaf or have or are hard of hearing may need something like an assistive listening device. And I know, you know, I make jokes that I've lost some of my hearing because I've just gone to too many rock concerts. But as we all get older, we may find that we need something. This is not hearing aids. This is to help you maybe hear better on a telephone or going to a conference or going to a meeting. For some of our deaf individuals, we like to provide, you know, text telephones or we use the new video phones. This allows them to have the same type of communication access we make sure that things are captioned. We provide the technology to caption videos or DVDs or information so we can all participate. As I mentioned before, we're also providing a lot of support for our wounded warriors, which means we have grown tremendously when it comes to assistive technology for people with cognitive disabilities. And when, you have, when a person has a cognitive disability, whether it's due to a traumatic brain injury an accident or a learning disability, it can be a combination of tools. Some people will need to have some of the same tools that blind people use so they can actually hear what's on the computer screen as they also read it on the computer screen, having the dual modality. Maybe it's short-term memory tools that they may need. Maybe it's literacy tools because they can see the words, but they no longer understand the words or read it because of the traumatic brain injury. So having that combination of tools is what many of our young men and women who are coming back with traumatic brain injury have benefited from. So, and many of them also have been, you know, injured because of those IEDs. So they all have some degree of maybe hearing loss also. So it's blending all these tools to make the best solution for that individual. So those are some of the examples of the assistive technology we provide on a regular basis to our customers. Wow. You do cover the spectrum. And isn't that great? So you can see why for a business that does not understand the, all the various types of accommodations that CAP really is the place to go. And with that, we're going to go to break. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, talking to the dynamic one and only Dinah Cohen. We'll be right back. After the break, don't go away. News. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Women in business today face many challenges in advancing their careers and reaching their goals. There are corporate executives, entrepreneurs, and business owners that have made their mark in business. Now you can learn their secrets and tips. Listen to Women Mean Business as your host, Bonnie Marcus, explores how to thrive in the business environment, navigate the workplace, and climb the corporate ladder. Listen live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and effectively promote yourself today. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. 
Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday afternoon at 2 Pacific, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back to the show. We are on with Dinah Cohen director of the U.S. Department of Defense's CAP program. And what an exciting show it has been. I think we have a caller on the line. Go ahead, caller. Hi there. This is Kathy Martinez calling to say hi to my friend and colleague, Dinah Cohen. Well, now, how about this? We have the assistant secretary of the Office of Disability Employment Policy, and it just doesn't get better than that. Uh, Dinah, you want to talk to the assistant secretary here? The Honorable Kathy Martinez. This is truly a pleasure. Oh, Uh, darling, to you it's the adorable. (laughs) Well, it's truly an honor to have you on the phone because we know how we've go back quite a few years always working to make things more accessible and user-friendly for all of those customers out there. So we continue to try to push that envelope, trying to make things better, and um, it really, I'm just one of the many federal employees that takes the leadership of Ms. Martinez and many others, Ms. Griffin, Kareem Dale, to keep things moving forward. But what a treat to have you on the phone. Well, I just wanted to say that... <clears throat> um, you know, we have, uh, many of you know that we have the executive order and the plans for the agencies are due back to Office of Personnel Management by March 8th. And um, we really um, know that, you know, we're, we're, we're in a, a period of uh, budget awareness, I guess we could say. And one of the things about the CAP programs, I think it's, it's really important to point out, is that, you know, for many of us, um, CAP provides our accommodations, which allows us to work, which allows us to either reduce our dependence on benefits or get off benefits altogether, as well as we contribute to the tax base. So, you know, I see CAP as um, a, a, a road to deficit reduction because it really does allow people with disabilities to work. And to and to be and to be productive. Well, thank you very much. And I think all managers can really take those words at home. So many people still believe that the cost of accommodations is expensive. When we've done study after study after study, and even the CAP model, where everyone that comes to CAP is asking for something that costs money. A lot of people, like myself, do ha- uh, don't need an accommodation that costs money. I my need, my accommodation need is a, you know kind of a flexible work schedule, and but a lot of people, the people that come to CAP need something that costs money, and still our average cost of accommodations when everyone comes here is asking for something is is around five hundred and thirty dollars. That, when you think about it, and the tax base of how much they're contributing to it versus the cost of accommodation, it's truly a non-issue. And that is something I'm so glad you bring to the forefront is we are here to be taxpayers, contribute to all of our missions of our federal agencies, to our work environment, and accommodating us 
usually is free. Over 30% of us don't need an accommodation that costs money, but even those of us who do need an accommodation that costs money, still the average cost is less than some of those iPods that people are running out and buying. Well, and it doesn't compare to the amount of, you know, taxes we pay and, and the savings to the benefit system. It really is a good business model. All right. Hey, Kathy Martinez, Assistant Secretary of ODEP. We want to thank you also for leading the way on employment because I know, we all know, that without employment, we don't have dignity, we don't have freedom, and I know that you are all about employment. So, you know, I appreciate what you're doing also, Kathy. Oh, you bet. Thank you very much. Thanks for calling in, Kathy. Take care. Thank you. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, how about that, Dinah? What a pleasant surprise. What a pleasant surprise. I have another pleasant surprise because I see we have another caller on the line. Go ahead, caller. Hello. 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 Hi, Dinah. Hi, Joyce. Oh, my God. It's the Honorable Christine Griffin. Oh, you know I get nervous when you call me Honorable. (laughs) How are you both? Well, we are finding you fine. are honorable and so that all of you know, wow, what a powerhouse show. Now we have Dinah, now we have the director of the Office of Personnel Management, and may I say she is leading the way in America for employment for Americans with disabilities. She is leading the way. Dinah, don't you agree with that? Definitely. I have had the sheer honor and pleasure of working with Miss Griffin as we started doing training many years ago with her lead initiative when she was at EOC. I'm so honored to participate as she goes around the country telling people about how to develop the, the strategic plan to support the president's executive order uh, and how CAP can be a player in anyone's strategic plan to make sure they improve the employment of people with disability and really make a difference. This is, I think, a golden time, and I'm just I'm tickled that you joined in. How are you? I'm good. I'm really happy to. And I, Joyce, I, I really appreciate getting that promotion to director, but I'm still the deputy director here at OPM. So I don't want to take anything oh, away sorry from. Sorry about uh, that. Oh, that's sorry all right. about that's that, Mr. Berry. Right. Yes, deputy director. Sorry about that. I'm probably going to get shot. You know, by, have, uh, director John Barry, my apologies. We have a great director here, John Barry, who, you know, without him, a lot of what we get to do wouldn't happen. And he couldn't be more supportive of this whole initiative uh, of hiring more people with disabilities in the federal government. And I just want to tell you both uh, today, I hope both your ears were uh, burning, because we were talking about both of you at the Chief Human Capital Officer Council meeting, uh, we had a great report out from a lot of the different federal agencies uh, about the numbers of, of people with disabilities that they've hired in the last 30 days alone, never mind before that. There's a lot of activity and effort and strategy around how to do a better job, and um, certainly CAP is a big component of that. And we talked a lot about the trainings that we've all been doing together. Um, I don't know if you talked about that earlier, but... We really do have a powerhouse of a training program, and we're going to be at Health and Human Services on uh, February 23rd, and they extended uh, an invitation to all the other agencies to come and join if they would like to. And uh, we'll be doing another training for the Department of Defense in there at the Pentagon Auditorium on the 24th, the afternoon of the 24th. So we're really doing some... uh, some great things, and, and really, we wouldn't get any of this done without uh, Diner and the folks at CAP. I mean, you really are the sort of glue that holds all of this training together and does a lot of the uh, behind-the-scenes work that, you know, makes, makes it happen. So I always appreciate any time that we do anything together. Thank you. Well, you know what, Deputy Director Griffin, I know that you were talking about that training program um, and would you just take a minute to also tell how the White House is involved in that training presentation? Yeah, we, you know, one of the great aspects of this training program is that Kareem Dale, who's special assistant to the president on disability issues, comes to every one of these trainings and, 
really kicks it off by talking about the executive order and what the president expects the agencies to do with regard to complying with it. And I think most people know there's a goal of hiring 100,000 people with disabilities over the next five years into federal agencies, and we're well on our way. We have Joyce Bender, who's helping us develop a list of qualified applicants on a monthly basis that all the agencies have access to. And, oh, my, this month alone, the the number of people uh, that were hired off this list is going to be amazing uh, when we see the final data. I know that USDA, actually, they were disputing the numbers. They've actually offered jobs to more people than we knew about, and, uh, and they expect to have quite a few more in the next week or so. And um, uh, we, we really appreciate the fact that we're getting, you know, great applicants into these positions, which I think really seeds the whole program by making sure that federal managers who don't have experience hiring people with disabilities now have the opportunity to have a great staff person on their staff. Oh, by the way, they have a disability. And because they have to meet other reform initiatives uh, goals, such as hiring reform and shortening their, their hiring time, this is a perfect way to do it. Hire a person with a disability or a veteran with a disability through Schedule A, and we, we've proven here at OPM and at other agencies you can do that in a matter of a couple of weeks. So Right, this, and this you know, a- um, I spoke earlier about how wonderful it is when someone in a federal agency does hire someone, how easy this becomes for them that they have access to Dinah Cohen and the CAP program because, exactly. as you well know, in the private sector, you know, we don't have that. They don't have that. If they did, they would think like they died and gone to heaven. Yep. But they have the ability to have this free, wonderful um, access, and don't you think that everyone should be using that? You know, not only using it, Joyce, I just had the opportunity to go over to the Pentagon um, on Friday and and visit the CapTech Center, and it's just amazing the fabulous technology that's there. CAP is at the forefront of uh, making sure that they have the latest and the greatest technology as accommodations for our employees and for uh, the wounded Service men and women coming back from Iraq and, and Afghanistan, and it's it's nobody else has this type of a, a facility and a centralized accommodation program that you know it's not just the folks here in Washington D.C. This is nationwide. They're able to provide accommodation, so it's an amazing program. And I love um, uh, Diner and all of our staff. You've never met. Uh, a more professional and capable staff than the folks over at CapTech. Well, yeah, and actually, so I mentioned earlier that uh, when Dinah and Cap, when they are involved in a conference or a program, that you can count on it being uh, excellent. No, that's that's the absolute truth. That is the truth. They do great work. My head and, is being really big over here. How <laughs> have you enjoyed you this training job. program, and what do you think with the leadership of someone like Deputy Director Griffin that we can do to help the president fulfill this executive order? Well, I, I again, my head is so big right now, I don't know where to start. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you so much for those kind words, Ms. Griffin. It, it's really... It touches my heart, and I will share that those comments with my staff because they have equal respect for you and what you're trying to do, and we are very happy to support you in your effort. I see us continue to move this. We're looking at doing some of these trainings in other locations. I think one of our biggest challenges has always been really educating the right people. I just did a presentation recently in San Diego for the first-line supervisors of a major uh, Navy program, and I was it, I was surprised to see how many people still didn't know about CAP. So it's always going to that first-line supervisor to making sure they know that they have this kind of ability and power. So getting the word out through radio shows, through trainings, through webinars is really critical, and whatever we can do to help educate the uh, public and, and the federal managers is really, I think, 
mission critical right now. And uh, so I'm very happy to be part of that effort. And do you think, uh, W. Director Griffin, do you think if this was made known to more people in the federal government, do you think that could have an impact on employment? Yeah, I absolutely do. And one of the things that we talked about with some of the chief human capital officers today, um, uh, after the meeting, I have a smaller group in my office talking about ways we can improve um, really information dissemination to other hiring managers is to actually start having panels of hiring managers that have hired people with disabilities and have had a fabulous experience to, to actually talk to their peers. So, you know, instead of disability awareness, um, I think the better approach is for people to hear from their peers and it, that may alleviate any fears, myths, uh, or misconceptions they have about hiring people with disabilities. You know, that is a fabulous idea yeah. because I know for a fact in the private sector, when they hear this from a company, from a hiring manager versus me, it has such an impact. Yep, that's true. So That, that is a great idea. Well, before we let you go, um, first of all, thank you so much for calling in. Um, I think you are a superstar. And, Dinah, do you have anything you want to say before she goes? Thank you very much for calling in. What an honor. What a surprise. I feel like it's one of those special Oprah shows where people come in and surprise you. <laughs> this has been a very pleasant, overwhelming honor and surprise Dinah for Cohen you and Kat. Dinah Cohen and Kat, this is your life. <laughs> <laughs> No, you guys do a great job, and as always, as I said, a pleasure to work with you. Thanks for all Thank that you, you do. All right. Take Thank care, you. Thank Bye. you. You know what? Here, Dinah, I'm not going to get to ask you any questions because people keep calling in or sending questions. So hold on, everyone, just for a moment because we don't have a lot of time left. Um, and I wanted to ask you just a few questions, and then if we have time, we can go on to other things. Uh, but... Dinah, I wanted to ask you, who has been your role model? Because you are truly a wonderful, genuine, passionate advocate. You know, who has been your role model? Well, as I already alluded to, I'm a little bit on the old side. <laughs> um, I grew up, my parents are gone, but they were Holocaust survivors. And so as I was growing up, they were just, so excited and pleased to be in the United States. So I grew up just around the time of President Kennedy being our leader, and I remember his inauguration speech, and I remember how excited my parents were, and they've always wanted me to be part of the federal government, always part of public service, and they said, you know, this is such a gift. We are free here. And after their experience, that meant more than a lot of people can even imagine. So I always wanted to try to give back and wasn't sure how to do it or what I was going to do. So I would say some of my, you know, role models were my parents and their ability to just kind of persevere after such devastating situation like uh, being in a concentration camp, coming here and looking around and saying, what can we do now that we were given this gift of freedom? Hearing President Kenny's words constantly, and I said, well, you know what? I got to do something to make things better for others. And so it's always been kind of there, and uh, I would say there are probably some of my stronger, both personal and out there, leader, uh, role models. You know what, Dinah? I never knew this. And when we have a show on giving back and what made people give back, we have to have you back on. That is a phenomenal thing. I didn't know. What a great story. No wonder you're the way you are. Which brings me to my next question that so you know I've asked everyone who has ever been on the show and that is, you know, already you've accomplished so much in your life. But if you had to name one thing, one thing as your greatest accomplishment, what would that be? I would say in a nutshell it's probably giving people some new freedom they never thought they would have again. 
so many people, so many of my wounded warriors, so many people with disabilities, so many young people through the workforce recruitment program that we I do with, you know, we co-sponsor with Department of Labor and Ms. Martinez's program office, is all of a sudden as you give them that tool so they can feel that level of independence and and be able to see what they can do against is where I feel my greatest accomplishments, whether it was through CAP, whether it's being through the Disability Program Manager at a federal agency, is having that ability to really touch someone's life where they feel they can be engaged, they have independence when they didn't think they had it before. So it's that moment in time that I would say is my greatest accomplishment, is giving people that moment of freedom or the moment to believe in a future that they didn't think they were going to have. Wow. That doesn't surprise me that this would be your answer, not one bit. Um, And, Dinah, tell me, if you had to leave a message for our listeners today, what would it be? Oh, I think I would say that my message to each and every one out there who's listening or who will listen in the future is that everybody can make a difference, that everybody can be part of this population, and everybody needs to take care of each other, and foremost, disability matters. That's all. Oh. So good that is. So good that is. Well, first of all, Dinah, as a woman living with epilepsy and as someone working hard trying to find employment for Americans with disabilities, I just want to thank you for everything you've done, for everything you're doing, because I just consider you a great leader and you're helping us people with disabilities gain employment by leveling the playing field with the CAP program. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Joyce, for inviting me. I thank you for my special guest uh, speakers. Uh, Thank you for this opportunity. And to all of my audience out there, I want to thank you for listening because as you listen, I know you can make a difference. So thank you so much. And that they can. They can make a difference. You know, before we go, we end every show with a quote from a famous civil rights leader or someone who has made a tremendous impact on the employment of people with disabilities. And after hearing Dinah and the impact she has had from living and growing up in the 60s, we're changing the quote for her. And that quote is from President John F. Kennedy when he said, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. And Dinah Cohen, you listened. Thank you. I want to thank you and everyone for listening to the show today. We are all about freedom in America. We are all about employment for Americans with disabilities, you are listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. See you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.